I think when we have imposter syndrome, and I know it's something we all experience, but I also don't know how I feel really about the term and the concept because we all can't know everything when we're getting going in a career or a journey or a path, right? You have to learn as you go. I'm a huge believer in fake it till you make it. I think when you get in there, you do what you can. I tell the people I work with too, for you to know what you don't know, means you know something. So if you're aware of where you need to improve, that means you have knowledge. There's a knowledge base. Go in there, fake it till you make it, do what you can. And then when it's done, go back and learn what you felt like you didn't know enough of, right? And then keep doing that until your knowledge grows and you become more confident. But anytime you're going to be pushing yourself or taking a risk or growing in your career or your personal life, you're going to have to be uncomfortable. There's no way to grow in a comfortable position. You have to get uncomfortable for growth. And when you're uncomfortable, you're going to feel like an imposter sometimes. But I think that's where you know the magic's happening and you're you're stepping through those limits and really seeing what you're made of. Hey guys, welcome to the Power and Persistence podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Blois, business owner, mentor, self-care advocate, manifester, wife, and mama of two. This podcast is designed to make you feel seen and inspired. Join me for honest and raw conversations with successful women and purpose-driven entrepreneurs. We'll explore how they imperfectly but persistently juggle career, family, and relationships, all while honoring their authentic selves. Let's dive in. I'm so excited you guys are here because I'm opening my doors to my one-on-one coaching program, Find Your Yes, because we all deserve to live a life that feels like a hell yes. Women are leaders, and leadership is found in entrepreneurship, leading teams within a business, volunteer organizations, your community, and at home with your family. Whether you're desiring to make a transformation into leadership or you want to up-level your skills to become a more effective leader, this program is for you. I've been leaning at work and at home for over a decade, and this is what I know. It wasn't until I did the inner work that I personally needed to do that my leadership skills really improved. And that's why I created the Find Your Yes program, so you don't have to do the inner work alone. As someone who has been there, I will guide you as we work through your shadows, heal past traumas, overcome self-limiting beliefs, and watch you transform from the inside out. So if you're ready to create a life that feels like a hell yes, head over to www.jessieblois.com forward slash contact to book a call or head over to my Instagram at jessieblois and send me a DM. I'm so excited to connect and to find your yes. I am joined today by Emily Pollack, who is a career coach. And I am so excited to really dive into your path to becoming a career coach and to learn more about what a career coach does. Emily, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Of course. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. It's great to have you. Okay. So Emily, your career did not start off as a career coach. You originally accidentally fell into recruiting and you were living in Atlanta. And then after working for some recruiting agencies, Emily went in-house to do recruiting for a software company. And she worked there for several years, then accepted a job with Uber in San Francisco and moved out west. Emily worked a few different recruiting-related jobs within Uber for several years until eventually she realized she wasn't fulfilled in the work she was doing, but she had no idea what to do next. 
she discovered a career coaching program called Career Pathfinder Group Coaching Program with a company called A Path That Fit. And in going through the program, she discovered her calling to be a career coach. And now Emily works for A Path That Fits as a coach and helps people find jobs they love. She recently earned her certified professional co-active coach certification through a program that she'd been training under for two years. And she got married last year and is literally just about to have her first baby. So, so much going on, so much to talk about. Emily, why don't you get us started with giving us some background into your upbringing in your childhood so we can kind of understand why you do what you do and who you are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's see. I was born in Boston and lived there till I was 13. I um, come from a pretty tight-knit family. Um, I have a younger brother and a younger sister. When I was 13, we picked up and moved to Memphis, Tennessee, because my dad got a job there. And that was probably the first, um, that was a pretty traumatic experience, I would say, um, leaving all my friends, my whole community in Boston and, and going to such a different world in Tennessee. Uh, so that took some adjusting, especially at the age of 13. Yeah, you know, that's a rough age to just exist. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was trying to, you know, figure out who I was um, as it was and then figure out figuring out who I was in a totally different culture was yeah. hard. Um, and so that took a lot of adjusting. Uh, eventually, you know, after several years being in high school there, I um, became a little bit more comfortable in my own skin. It took a lot of time. And um, I would say that that shaped a lot of who I am that experience just because I I was exposed to something totally different and I was able to figure out who I was in the context of a new environment um, do you feel like if you could go back would you have that not happen or do you feel because you had to go through that experience it really showed you how strong you can be because I know in your career, too, you moved from Atlanta out to California. And I imagine that's another huge adjustment. So do you feel like it's these past experiences from your childhood that gave you the strength to do what you did in adulthood? Absolutely. That's a great question. Uh, absolutely. It gave me the strength to to make these additional moves that I've made since then. Um, I think I would have... If I could go back, I would probably pick a different place to do that. Uh, <laughs> no. I, and I, I went to high school in Memphis and then went um, to college in South Carolina. And I love South Carolina. And then from there, I've kind of been able to be the decider on where I live. And that's and having that ownership and um, decision-making ability, I think, is really important because um, there are some places I've enjoyed mo more than others. But in general, having to go through that transition absolutely yeah. gave me the strength to to know that I can do it. Like, you know, there's something about going through something and knowing that you've done it before and you can get through it again that I think is really, really empowering. Is your family still in Tennessee? Um, my dad and brother are. And, um, my parents actually got divorced when I was 18. So that was another tough experience that I went through that shaped a lot of who I am. 
um, my mom and stepdad live in Pennsylvania. And then my sister is also like me, loves to move around and try new places. So she's she's lived all over the world, but is now in San Diego. Okay, so there's two of you in California. Yes. We're hoping to out here too. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you're the oldest. Yeah, I'm the oldest of three as well. I definitely think I have first child personality type. Do you identify that way as well? I do as well. I've actually listened to some of your other episodes where you talk a lot about birth order. I believe so strongly in birth order shaping who you are. I'm a total complete first child. My husband is a is a middle child. And so is mine. No way. <laughs> That's so funny. I don't know if you experienced this, but we definitely have some some clashes sometimes, like personality yeah. differences because of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's really different. I just think being a first burden just lends to a different type of person. So yeah, he um, he's much more easygoing than me, and I'm much more like steadfast and yeah, plowing through whatever my mind's set on. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so thirteen. My parents divorced when I was 13, so I also know what it's like to go through a trauma at that age. And I do. I think it really, really resonates with you. You're old enough to remember, really remember, but you're not old enough to process in, I would say, a mature and healthy way. It just feels very overwhelming and daunting at the age of 13, mm-hmm. especially as you're trying to just navigate growing into becoming a teenager are there key takeaways from that time that you can say I developed this part of who I am from those moments or it's more so you just knew it was a hard time and it allowed you to grow the strength that you've taken with you into your adulthood well I think the important thing for me is that I'm aware that that was a tough transition. And I look back on that time and see the strength that I had in mm-hmm. it. And that gives me strength for future challenges or, or, or current challenges. Okay. So you really can look back on that and use that as a sense of strength or what you do now. Yeah. Then it served a great purpose, right? At least there's beauty in what happened. You're yeah. able to pull that forward with you. Okay, so then you went to college, and how did you end up falling into the start of your career? How did you end up falling into recruiting? What did and what did you originally want to do? What was your plan? I originally wanted to work for nonprofits. I majored in sociology and minored in Spanish, and I actually got the perfect dream job for that right out of school. I went, um, I, I worked for a nonprofit organization that did immigrant rights advocacy. Um, so it was a great opportunity. I worked there for a year and then I got a scholarship from the Rotary Club to go live in Mexico for a year. Um, so I moved, picked up everything and moved to Mexico on your own. Yep. On my See, own. now that's some, that's strength. I don't really. Oh no. I don't even think I could move into a different state by myself. No. I, I have a lot of strings, but I would say I'm definitely competent in certain parts of my life. That's incredible. So you just picked up and moved to Mexico. Yep. Yeah. How was it? Um, it was awesome. It was challenging. It I I was 
pretty independent, not through like a whole program or anything. So I had to figure out everything on my own, figure out how to get a visa, figure out how to enroll in school because I was studying there. Um, mm-hmm. And I met you were 18 incredible. at this time. Sorry, I interrupted. No, I was no, this was actually so I did. Um, oh, you was I did college. part of a master's program there. Okay. After I got my undergrad. Okay. Um, so I enrolled in Monterey Tech there in Monterey, Mexico. Um, as part of a master's program, all my classes were in Spanish, which was interesting. So my Spanish got so good. Um, and I met incredible people. Had a I had an amazing experience there. It was it was awesome. Yeah. And you came back just it was a year long program. Um yeah, it was a year long program. Okay. And um I I was actually in a relationship at the time and we were doing long distance, which was a little bit hard. So that that put a little bit of a damper on the experience. Yeah. But I was proud of myself for still going for what I wanted and sticking with it and making the most out of it. Have you yeah. always had that personality that if you have a goal or something that you want to achieve, you're going to go forward and do it? Or are you easily influenced by other people's opinion? Definitely always worked hard towards my goals. I I was always, you know, the student that was really, really good in school, got 4.0s, mm-hmm. really hard at everything. Yeah, it's always been who I am. All right. So after Mexico, you came back to and then Atlanta. you fell into recruiting. Um, so I, I moved to Atlanta. My boyfriend at the time was living in Atlanta. And um, so at this point, I was looking for nonprofit jobs, but no one was hiring because this was 2010 and the economy was terrible. So no, no, we're hiring. So I got a job at a uh, sports bar, um, you know, not something that I, I really wanted to do forever. Um, I have I put my resume out there on Indeed, on Monster uh, and kept applying to whatever I could apply to. And one day I got a call from a recruiting agency and they were interested in interviewing me for a position with a call center position with Slenda. And they liked me because I spoke Spanish. So I said, you know, this isn't really what I want to do long term is work in a call center, but I might as well go in for the interview. You never know what can happen. And I'm so happy that I had that attitude because I, I went in for the interview and a few days later, the recruiting agency called me and said, you know, so we sent your resume to Honda. We're waiting to hear back. But we were wondering if you'd be interested in working as a recruiter for us. We think your personalities and your background is perfect to be a recruiter. So I interviewed with them for a recruiting role with them. They offered me that position. And that's essentially how I got started in recruiting. I love how you said you're so happy that you led with the attitude that you never know what's going to happen because it's so true. You never know what's around the next corner. And I think for me, some of the best things that I've come into in my life are things that I was not looking for. I was looking for something over here, maybe to the right, trying to make this one thing really, really come to life. And then all of a sudden, you know, things aren't going my way and it's frustrating or whatever is happening. Like you weren't thrilled about that job opportunity, but then something that's even better suited for you just presents itself. And I love 
when those manifestations come to life. So that's yeah. what happened. So then you worked for this recruiting company. Did you like it? Did you like recruiting? I did. I really liked it. It was, it was, um, it was really nice to connect with people and I like helping people. Um, so it was nice to be able to help people find jobs that fit who they were. Um, and it was something new. I, yeah, I felt like it fit my personality, my sociology background. Yeah. I enjoyed it for sure. So how did you end up at Uber? Take us through that story. Yeah. yeah. So, so this, this first recruiting job was pretty short-lived, unfortunately, because, because the economy wasn't doing so well, the company wasn't doing great at the time. Okay. So after a few months, they actually had to lay me off. Okay. And that was hard. I was like, I just got here. Yeah. This is a great opportunity. And now you're telling me that I can't work here anymore. Yeah. Um, but... So they actually, one of the ladies that works there had a friend who had just started a tech recruiting agency. Um, and he literally the day, I'm not kidding you. It was the day I got laid off. He reached out to the lady that worked at my company and said, hey, we just started this tech recruiting agency and we're looking for recruiters. Do you know of anyone? And she was like, oh my gosh, this is meant to be. Go like right now go just drive over there and interview with them. So I interviewed same day, got a job offer on the spot. Um, and that's how I really, that's how I really got into tech recruiting, which is what I focused on for a long time. Like I worked for tech companies after okay. that. So did you have to learn the tech world or did you already know it? No, I had to learn the tech world. I was not technical at all. So it was right. like drinking from a fire hose. It was way more fast paced than the first company that I worked for. Um, I learned about all sorts of programming tools and languages. Um, and, but I was there for a couple of years. So I really got in good with the recruiting world and, and the tech world and, and learned about that. Um, and then one day I just had an opportunity that came up to go in-house for a software company in Atlanta. Uh, and I was curious about the in-house world, um, just recruiting for one company versus recruiting for a lot of different client companies. And um, I worked for that software company in Atlanta for several years. I absolutely loved it. Met some great friends there. It was so fun. And it was like a hip company in Atlanta. And um, just like, I felt like I was in the, the heart of the tech scene. Um, yeah, that's on the spot. It was so fun. Can I ask you a question? So you talked about, I love your analogy. It was like drinking from a fire hose. Mm-hmm. I think it it's not everybody that can enter a new job where it's completely overwhelming. It's a lot of hours. You feel completely in over your head. Maybe you're experiencing imposter syndrome. I want to know what you do to keep going in those moments when it feels really overwhelming and really hard. Do you talk to yourself a certain way? Does, does that excite you to have those challenges do you practice certain um self-care modalities what do you do in those moments when it feels like you're drinking from a fire hose yeah um so i like what you said about imposter syndrome because i think that that can lead lend that that can lead to a lot of overwhelming feeling um and one way that i counter that is by connecting with other people that are also in the same role as me mm -hmm. uh, 
creating relationships with my coworkers and understanding that we're all kind of in it together and that they also have the same imposter syndrome and questions that I do and, and supporting each other, I think really helps me feel better about the work that I'm doing. And then also it helps me calibrate, like, am I, am I doing the right things? Do I need to be focusing on different things? What should I be prioritizing? Because I think having the right priorities helps with the feeling like you have to do everything and work around the clock because you can't prioritize everything. So connecting with definitely cannot prioritize everything. One thing at a time, everything will suffer. Right, exactly. So having an understanding of that, I think is really important and connecting with coworkers and my managers is one way that I do that. But also as far as self-care goes, I think it's so important to step away from that work. And some ways that I do that are through exercise. I love dancing. So I'll I love it. So that is a huge stress relief for me. Um, socializing with friends helps a lot, just kind of letting loose and laughing and having a good time. Yeah. And just completely disconnecting. I think when we have imposter syndrome, and I know it's something we all experience, but I also don't know how I feel really about the term and the concept because. We all can't know everything when we're getting going in a career or a journey or a path, right? You have to learn as you go. I'm a huge believer in fake it till you make it. I think when you get in there, you do what you can't. And I I tell the people I work with too, for you to know what you don't know means you know something, right? Yeah. So if you're aware of where you need to improve, that means you have knowledge. There's a knowledge base. Go in there, fake it till you make it, do what you can. And then when it's done, go back and learn what you felt like you didn't know enough of, right? And then you just keep doing that until your knowledge grows and you become more and more confident. But anytime you're going to be pushing yourself or taking a risk, or growing in your career or your personal life, you're going to have to be uncomfortable. There's no way to grow in a comfortable position. You have to get uncomfortable for growth. And when you're uncomfortable, you're going to feel like an imposter sometimes. But I think that's where you know the magic's happening and you're you're stepping through those limits and really seeing what you're made of. A hundred percent. Yeah, there's no way you can grow without stepping out of your comfort zone and stretching yourself. And I think for some of us, we know that's growth. And for some people, that's scary. But listen, if you're not willing to get uncomfortable, there's only so far that you're going to be able to take yourself. It has to get scary for it to get. There's also a beautiful moment when you are faking it till you make it when you realize you made it and you actually know what you're talking about and you can look back and pat yourself on the back like hey like all this all this trial and error paid off and okay I I got this totally have you ever had one of those moments where for me it's working with clients but they ask you a question and then you just start answering and you have no clue that you had all that knowledge stored up there but as you start talking you're like I really do know my shit. Like, I really did know this. I just didn't know I had all this this knowledge stored up there. And then you're like, yeah, I have one of those I made it moments. I really knew how to handle whatever they threw my way. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's 
It's the best moment. It really is. I it's so it. great. And you're not going to have those moments of feeling like I really feel like I'm figuring this out unless you have the moments of I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes it's even okay and it's vulnerable and it's honest and it allows you to be a genuine person to say, I don't know the answers to that. Let me get back to you. Or I knew it this. I'm figuring it out with you, but I promise I'm going to take as very good care of you and I'm going to give it my all. But this right here, this process is new to me. So please like give me some grace as I as I go along. I mean, I don't know. I think it's different for every rare path, but I think there's a lot of beauty in honesty and letting yourself be human while you're working with other humans as well. And hopefully they see the courage and I rather work with somebody who's telling me I'm figuring this out, but I'm going to give it my all and being open and honest than someone who presents themselves in a way that feels completely disingenuous. I 100% agree. In fact, I coach my clients on this concept when they're interviewing. Um, If you don't know the answer to something or if you don't have experience in something, I always say just be honest and say, you know, I don't I don't know the answer or I don't have experience in that. But this is what I do have experience. And it's always better to just be upfront and people appreciate that and can connect with that on a human level, like you said. Yeah, I think that connection on a human level really it's really important. I think um, as a business owner myself, when I have people come in and interview for me, I've, you know, I've told um, our management team, I'm looking at who the person is. I can teach the skills they need, but I can't teach who they are. Mm -hmm. So in order to keep a certain culture and my company and a certain energy of most the team I'm looking for who's this person you can give me the most skilled employee but if they're bringing negativity to the team as a whole it's no skill level is worth damaging a team or you can bring me just the best energy and this really positive bright light to a company and if there's an area that you need help in I am happy to step in and build that skill for you because I hired you for who you are and I can't teach. Yeah, you know, I think I would say that that's another um, element that I would include in the uh, dealing with overwhelm response. Uh, It's a lot of it has to do with your attitude. And if you show up and you are committed to wanting to do the work and learn and be part of the team people are going to be understanding if you don't have everything down pat and if you're still learning you know people are understanding like that and it's about um showing up having a good attitude wanting to work hard and contribute to whatever project you're working on yeah i i completely agree so you were we're gonna go back you were you were doing the recruiting you were at this other company that you loved And then was it from this company that you then went into Uber, this very large company? That must have been a little bit of a culture shock to transition to such a huge company. Well, that was my move from Atlanta to the Bay Area, to San Francisco. Uh, So in addition to, yes, going from from my comfort zone in Atlanta with this software company that I had built a reputation at, um, yeah, I, I moved all the way across the country to San Francisco and 
started working at Uber, which was a hot tech company at the time. Everyone wanted to work there. There, there was also a lot of pressure to perform and do well because we had a reputation to uphold and there was, um, we were just scaling like crazy. So yeah, it was definitely a big culture shock. And were you, is this when you were also ending a long-term relationship? Yeah, I had, I had ended the relationship a couple of years before I actually made the move to San Francisco. Okay. During that couple of years, I was sort of dealing with the aftermath of that, trying to figure out, navigate being single in Atlanta and, you know, just seeing the same straight fingers named people from my relationship. I just knew I needed a personal change also. So uh-huh. that even though it took a couple of years for me to make the move to San Francisco, it, it was partly triggered by that and just needing a, a change of scenery. Yeah. So you had a lot of changes. You were in this five-year relationship that you were no longer a part of. You moved across the country and then you're in this really prominent, well-known, fast-growing company. Yeah. Was that exciting and overwhelming and terrifying all at the same time? Yes. The perfect way to describe it. Yeah. It was exciting because, you know, I got this amazing, flashy new job in an amazing, flashy city. Um, I mean, I will tell you, I love San Francisco so much. It is by far one of my top favorite cities. I love it so much. Me too. I fell in love with it right away. It's it's amazing out here. I, I love living here. I love the city and the energy. What did you get hired to do originally at Uber? Tech recruiting. So okay. exactly the same type of job I have been doing. Luckily, that was one thing that pretty much stayed the same was the type of work. Um, uh-huh. for software engineers. Okay. I there's probably a lot in San Francisco. Oh, it's fun. And that's the thing. That was the, what I was up against with the competition. You know, I mean, everyone that I that I was trying to recruit had probably five or six offers from all the other hot tech companies here. So the the question is like, how do we make our offer competitive? Um, we were we definitely didn't have the kind of cash at that time that other companies did because we were pre-IPO. Uh-huh. Um, so we had to get really creative with our offers and the total packages and be really good sellers and convincing people to come work for us. What are some of the benefits and some of the drawbacks for working? Well, I guess maybe not the beginning, but as a group for working for such a large company, do you feel like you're just one of so many or do you work in teams? So you felt like seen or how how does that work? I've always been in smaller work environments. Yeah, a little bit of both actually, and that was an adjustment for me too. Was the how big the company was? Um, they have had their systems down pat. I was one of a few hundred recruiters, so I was just kind of like moving like a machine. Sometimes it felt like, um, but they had the system. Like I had my the process I went through. Um, of course, they were changing processes because they were still a startup company like late stage startup but um it was yeah i mean it was it was tough in that i i did feel like one of many um and it was hard to stand out uh it was nice because i was able to learn best practices from people who have been doing it for a while and you know who knew really good ways of selling candidates of taking them through the process of getting them hired. So I felt like I was learning from the best in the industry. Um, but it was also hard to stand out. Do you feel like you had any room for 
growth and creativity and to bring ideas to the table or you were there to do a very specific job and that's what the expectation was. There was a lot of room for growth and creativity. And to your point from earlier, I I did work in a smaller team. So within that team, I could still have a huge impact. Uh, so that was really nice. And and Eager was just exploding and, and they were, it, it, it was even as big as it was, it still very much felt like a startup at that mm-hmm. point. So they were totally open to ideas and um, innovation. And we were just so fast, fast moving that we, you know, anything, anything, they were open to anything. And that was really fun and exciting. Yeah, that sounds like it would be really fun. Yeah. So you're not there anymore. So what made you decide to leave this really exciting? I mean, no secret, it's a really well-known company. This yeah. really booming company where you were liking it so much. What made you decide that this wasn't for you? Because walking away from that prominent of a job is mm-hmm. a really big decision. Because you grew in Uber, correct? Like your, your role grew. So what made you decide that you were going to take this risk and walk away from something you worked so hard to achieve? I did. I While in Uber, I did transfer to a different team in a way to grow. So I moved out of recruiting. I think as far as moving out of recruiting, I realized maybe um, I just wanted something, something different. To, I wanted to continue to grow. I kind of got, I'm like, okay, I got recruiting down pat. I want to do something a little bit different to challenge myself. So I moved to the global mobility team, which helps Actually, I transferred to the team that supports internal transfers within the company. I'm still within okay. the HR umbrella. And um, and I worked there for in that team for a couple of years. And that was exciting because it was a newer team and they were exploding. And there was tons of opportunity to build processes and programs and be creative. So everything that we were just talking about, like the beauties of working for a startup company, that was on that team. Um, so that was really, really fun. Eventually, though, I, I, I started to just feel unfulfilled. I, I felt it was very much. Um, a, it, it became the the role kind of uh, evolved. I will say, and I think that's where I felt the the misalignment more. Um, it became very much a project management role. Okay, and we were working a lot in spreadsheets and on like technical processes, and there were just a lot of technicalities to systems and um I just wasn't as excited about it and I felt less and less excited to go to work every day and um I didn't feel like like something felt off about what I was doing um it just wasn't what I wanted to do long term and that was a really really hard time for me I was just yeah I mean not not being fulfilled not having meaning in the work that I'm doing, not feeling passionate about it, not feeling good at it. Like I, I didn't feel like I was doing a good job. That was really, really hard. So it took me a long time to really wrap my head around it. So how long, when you say a long time, how long did you stay in the position where you felt unfulfilled and your intuition was telling you this isn't what's right for you? Because just from listening to you and 
watching your face right now and your body language, it wasn't that you felt like you weren't doing a good job because you were learning this new, exciting work that you were excited to learn. You just maybe felt like you weren't doing a good job because you your heart wasn't in it. Yeah. I, I, there was the learning part of the role when I first started off. Yeah. But where I gave myself grace, like, okay, you're still learning. Um, I'd say maybe six months to a year before I left um, was when I really said, okay, I get the work. Like, I, this, it is what it is. It's not changing really. Um, and it's not fitting. Like, I don't feel like I'm doing well at it and I'm not excited about it. So yeah. it took me a while to really figure out where to go from here. I, I did apply to another job within the company trying to just do something else that didn't uh -huh. really out. Um, I looked at jobs outside the company, just I, but I couldn't really figure out. I didn't want to get into something else that I wasn't going to like either. Yeah, sure. I was struggling to figure out what to do next. I was really, really stuck. That's a hard place to be. Yeah. Yeah. I worked um, in schools for 10 years and I loved it. I loved it for a really long time, but I too, I got to a point where I, I felt like I wasn't doing what I could be doing. I felt, and that made me feel really unfulfilled in the profession as a whole. I thought I was going to leave speech pathology altogether because I just thought this isn't for me anymore. And then I, I had to completely pivot. You know, and that's when I started treating privately because I, it wasn't that you're not good at your job anymore, but if your heart isn't there, your, your work will show. Or yeah. if your work doesn't show, you're putting so much effort into not only working, but pretending that you're liking what you're doing. So then you come home and you're completely drained and exhausted because not only were you working, but you were acting. Yeah. The whole day. It's a hard place to be. Yeah, that's a really good point. I definitely felt like I had to put on a face like I was passionate about it when I wasn't. And that was so hard. It so is hard. hard. Yeah. So how did you make that bold jump out of Uber? Because it's not that they didn't want you. It's not that it wasn't a good paying job. You were just, you just knew this wasn't for you. And that's a really risky big move to make how did it kind yeah. of come to a head was it just like one day you're like I can't do this anymore or was it very intentionally planned out a little of both <laughs> because I did resign with nothing else lined up I had no other job lined up and so that does require a certain level and I can't do this anymore <laughs> that's really really believing in yourself and trusting yourself in the process I mean that's really saying I know it's all going to work out I don't know how but I'm going to take the jump anyways yeah so I'll, I'll tell you how it happened so it was kind of there were a couple things that were um going on at the same time one was that um in the midst of wanting to figure out what the heck I could do next I Sunday across this career coaching program called the Career Pathfinder Coaching Program. And so I started doing that, pro going through that program, and it, it took me through discovering my strengths and gifts and passions. Um, 
and my personality traits and figuring out what careers might align with those things. Mm -hmm. I hadn't fully gotten through the program. I I was just in the in the midst of it, um, getting those wheels turning on the side um, while still working at Uber. And I guess it kind of came to a head when I was working on this really, really big project around the clock, 12 hour days, urgent project. Like there was a, we were up against a tight timeline and I was putting it, pouring everything into this project. Like all my time and energy into it. And I felt so drained, so stressed and was not really showing up on some other projects that I was working on in in the way that I should have. And, and that showed, and I was just not proud of the work I was doing. And yeah, I think I just decided it was not after working so hard on this and then still not doing the kind of job that I wanted to be doing, I realized there's a misalignment there. Yeah, this isn't sustainable. It's the putting this much work and this much effort into feel unfulfilled. Yeah, exactly. Or disappointed. Yeah. And I think the other thing that stood out to me was I was really looking for uh, leadership that would support me in finding the kind of fulfillment that I was looking for uh-huh. and grow in a mm-hmm. way I wasn't really getting that there. Yeah. And to, to feel like I'm failing and flailing and also to not have, feel like I'm having the supportive leadership and in, in my growth and uh, finding that fulfillment, I, I think was where I was like, okay, this is, I can't do this anymore. And I don't have any time to really dedicate to figuring out who I am and what yeah. important to me and what I want to do. So it made sense to just step away and give myself that time to figure out. And was it, out. it the best thing you ever did for yourself? Best slender person. I I have I, absolutely I, no regrets I, about this decision. Um right away I knew it was the right decision. And did you feel different? Yes. I felt free first of all. I felt so free. That's the best. I that's when everyone if I'm ever asked, how do you want to feel? If I'm talking with one of my coaches or I'm working on and what's your end goal? How do you want to feel? I'm my answer is always free in whatever aspect. You want to feel free. Yeah. I mean it's an ultimate feeling. Yeah. Freedom is incredible. And it's freedom mm-hmm. to what it is is it's freedom to live the life that you yep. want to live. Yep. And exactly, I, exactly. Freedom to make the choices that most align to you without feeling restricted or worried or scared or fearful to just, and then, you know, as you're about to have your daughter, and I'm a mom of two, to make choices for your babies and your family without feeling the inability to do so, free. Yeah, it's free. Yes. I. Being able to take my life back into my hands was the best decision I could have ever made for myself. And that that moment, that moment of giving, of gifting myself this freedom is something that I have taken with me every step of the way since then. And it's something that I I really use in my life all the time and all the decisions I make now. 
I I think that's what do you I love that like what do you like when you're making a decision you're ultimately thinking what freedom will this bring me in the long run what freedom does that allow for me in the moment because in order to achieve freedom like to be clear you make a lot of sacrifices mm-hmm. get there right it's hard work to put yourself in a position where freedom is available right you walked away from a really good job that was really scary and you achieved freedom. Um, a lot of people work really hard and really long hours to build themselves into a position that allows freedom of picking their children up from school or being able to come into work later so they can go to their child's performance or taking a long vacation or whatever, whatever freedom is to you. It takes time to achieve it. So what do you mean when you say when you make decisions for yourself now, you're seeking out freedom? I'd say overall, when I talk about freedom in this context, I mean freedom to to be myself and to live the life that I want to live and opening up that space, that free space to be whoever I am and and whatever I want to do with my life. That's exciting. And did you learn a lot about what that was through the program you were going through? I mean, do you think that program kind of led you to really understand that the job wasn't for you anymore as you were learning about your strengths and what excites you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Things like I took some strengths assessments and some of the lowest um, skills on there for things that I'm not as good at or things like like technology and like computers and um excel you know those kinds of things that is me a thousand percent if it comes to technology count me out yeah 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 and i was like okay this is what i do every day no wonder i'm on so still like i'm i'm not playing to my strengths at all so yeah it's too hard totally made me it was like light bulbs went off every day so then you figured out you wanted to be a career coach yeah I did. Coincidentally, going through a career coaching program made me discover my calling to be a career coach. What did you, why did you fall in love with? What is it about career coaching that it excites you and it makes you feel fulfilled? First and foremost is connecting with people. I love connecting with people. I, I, I'm motivated by people. I'm motivated by humanity. Yeah. Well, and, sociology, I mean, it, it yeah. goes back to the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I get to do that every day and connect with people. You know? And I think, and talking to people, I think is another component of it and just helping them work, through, be, being a good listener, uh-huh. helping them work through whatever it is that they want to work through and, and listening to them and helping them achieve their goals, whatever those are. Um, those are all things that I realized I was really passionate about and good at. Do people also come to you if they don't know what their goals are? Do you help them figure that out? Yes, or do they yes, have to tell Okay, so yeah. people come to you when they're like, I don't know what I want to do. And yeah. you help them weed through everything to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So your experiences really lend to what you're helping people with as well. Exactly, yeah. And I think that that's another driving force for me and what I like about career coaching so much is that I have worked really, really hard to 
live the career life I want to live and figure out what, you know, it, it worked for me going through these hard points where I wasn't fulfilled mm -hmm. or, and I knew that I wasn't like, I couldn't live life like that. I couldn't work in a job that just didn't fit me. Uh, and I know so many other people feel that way. Yeah. And, um, to be able to give them the opportunity to w work in a more fulfilling job is mm -hmm. incredible. And like have the, have the life that they want to like have that freedom to live the life that they want to live. Absolutely. I think that's great. I am really curious what the most common age range that you see is because I will say, I think it's wild that children at the age of 18 are expected to choose a major that leads into a career. And I have entered my 40s and I see a lot of people my age going, what do I want to do? Mm -hmm. Even the spinoff of what they already do do, there's a lot of fun. What else is out there happening around my age? So what's the most common age range that you work with? It, it ranges. It's across the board. I mean, there are a lot of people in their 20s, I would say, um, that maybe have worked one job out of school and then quickly realize that they don't, um, they're, that's not the right fit for them. And, the, and they're able to, to acknowledge, I want them support in figuring out what I want to do next. Um, but then there are people that have been in their career for like 20 years, 30 years, and they're just waking up and saying, this is not what I want to do. I, and then do you help them with the whole interview process and writing the resume and the whole thing? Yeah. And actually, um, so that's a huge part of what my particular focus is um, within the company. I And this, you know, this this actually, my recruiting background lends perfectly to this type mm -hmm. of experience. And that, that was another thing that made me realize, okay, career coaching is great because I already have some experience and I have experience in recruiting. Yeah, connects so well and translates so well to career coaching. So I do a lot of um, resume work, LinkedIn work, cover letters, interviewing, networking strategies. That's hugely important, um, and supporting them in salary negotiation as well. Those are the areas that I focus on a lot. Okay, I have another question. Have you seen a dip in the amount of people looking for careers since the pandemic? Because I feel like everywhere I go. Every company is hiring. I looking for like looking for jobs, looking for yeah. Are there still as many people seeking out career coaches and looking for work? Because it feels like, I mean, I talk to a lot of other business owners as well, and it's been a more challenging time for business owners mm -hmm. than since the pandemic hit. And I mean, if you just walk in the mall, there's hiring signs. Mm -hmm everywhere and i know that's not necessarily working out of clothing stores not the type of person that you're working with but i'm wondering if there's still as many people out there looking for careers right now or have you seen a shift if you tell me you haven't seen a change i'll be thrilled i have not seen a change um, i'm so happy to hear that there's still people out there wanting careers for sure it, it, it feels like a different time a little well what i will say is that it's been super interesting over the last several years since the pandemic hit because 
right when the pandemic hit, so many companies were laying every laying people off. So a ton uh-huh. of people were out of work and uh-huh. needing support and finding new jobs. Um, then all of a sudden, all these companies were hiring for the last couple of years. But then now with the economy not doing so great, there are tons of layoffs again. So it's ebbed and flowed. Um, and it totally depends on the type of industry that you're talking about, too. Um, but there's, uh, you know, really any industry is what I'm thinking of right now. I've just kind of felt like I've heard it across the board. But you're true. It's a lot of ebb and th- it's been messy. Yeah. The hard time is I think it's just really thrown people off like it's it's very up and down it's it hard for people out there <laughs> yeah I'm really hoping there some normalcy eventually finds its way and things kind of steady out I I mean you're such a good person to ask this to. what advice would you give to, I mean, anybody, but I like to focus on women because I love to support women achieving the life that just lights them up. What advice would you give women as they're seeking out to um, advance in their career or career change or to just really go after their dreams? What would be a few pieces of advice that you would give? I think it's important to be clear on what you want and then work backwards. Like have that North Star in place. Like, this is my dream. I'm clear on this. This is what I want to go after. Then once you have that identified, then work backwards to figure out the steps that you need to take to get there. And then the more you break it down, the more you can get to the granular where it's like, okay, this is what I need to do in the next six months to continue moving in that direction. Uh Uh-huh then it's really important that you stick to that. And you're always thinking about that North Star. I I have a lot of clients that just take whatever job they can get next because they get really nervous and they need a job. Yeah. And then they realize six months to a year later, this isn't getting me any closer to my North Star. So you're always going to make conscious decisions where you're tracking towards that, keeping in mind that North Star, always moving towards that. And um. Yeah, ensure that the decisions align with that ultimate goal. And then the other thing I will say is have come, let other people know that, like have conversations with your your managers, um, your coworkers, put it out there. Let people know what you're looking for, what you want to do ultimately, what what you're tracking towards. And if you verbalize that, you never know what opportunities will come your way. Yeah, you never know. I love it. Emily, it's been so great and educational for me talking with you. I love how your journey continued to pivot, but the way you're landing right now really takes from everything that you've done and wraps it up in like a beautiful boat. And then you're going to have your little girl and you have so much that you're embarking on and it's so exciting for you. And I'm so grateful that you took the time to talk to me. And um, it's been great. I mean, to have this conversation with you. So thank you. Yeah, I've loved having this conversation. It's been really fun getting to know you. And and we have, you know, really similar passions career-wise. So it's cool to connect with someone that also believes that women should be living out the lives that they want to and want to see. Yeah, a thousand percent. A thousand percent. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Bye. 
Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more, please rate, review, and follow along on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find out more about me at www.jessiebloys.com and follow along at Facebook at Jesse Bloys or on Instagram at, at Jesse Bloys. See you again next week with another great episode.